Welcome to M&M and M Across the Board. Another week here with Sean Martin, Eric McDowell. I, if you haven't noticed, am not Ashley Miller. I am the other blonde sportscaster in the Capital District. Phil, thank you very much. Yep, Liana Bonavita here. If you confused us, no sweat. You are one of many people. Ashley and I get confused all the time. I get to sit in her seat today, though. She is on vacation. So, I get to chat sports for an hour with these guys here, and we've got a lot on the schedule today. We have the NFL going around the league, as we always do, as the gang does. We have NBA coming at your way, and then we're going to touch back with Sean with college football like we did last week. So let's kick this thing off with the NFL, because, guys, another week in the books and another situation where I'm waking up today saying, what the hell is going on in this league? Uh, and it starts uh, with the bad and we'll go to the good. So starting with the bad here, um, going all the way back to, to last Thursday, which is when I think your last podcast came out, uh, the Ravens lost, right? All of a sudden we were thinking, this is a team that is turning it around and Lamar Jackson is doing his thing and he's an MVP candidate. And then they go and play the Dolphins and lose to the Dolphins. So after that performance, guys, do you think that Lamar Jackson should still be in that MVP conversation or how concerned are you here? I I think Lamar Jackson is one of the most dynamic players in the league, but that doesn't make him the most valuable. If you take a if you take his legs away from him and make him throw the football, now he's mediocre. Okay, he's tough to contain, but yeah, you got to go in that game. I know it's a short week and all that stuff, but it's a short week for Miami. I don't want to hear about travel. It's not that far. Um, yeah, he's got to win those games. I, I just think there's something about Lamar Jackson. I'll tell you what it is. He's not a very good passer. Um, no, no. He's great at hitting the tight end down the middle. He's got some good receivers. But at the end of the day, if you make him one-dimensional, they become a very average football team. He had been getting better at that this season uh, being because teams – figured him out right so they were forcing him to throw from the pocket a little bit and yet he was still finding ways to use his feet he was becoming a little bit more accurate with his passing but that game the issue that they were having is they had been this comeback team for a couple different weeks and they were putting i think too much responsibility on the shoulders of lamar jackson and he can't carry that team every single week he is one man and he's not a superhero uh he's an athletic guy but that's kind of where it ends so i just don't think that they can ask him to do that week in and week out it was bound to bite them in the butt at some point that that whole division liana is is so impossible to predict two weeks ago you got cincinnati they're the best team and then they go throttle baltimore i mean it off and on we go. Cincinnati falls the last. Cleveland got their doors handed to them last week. And now we see the Steelers when Big Ben doesn't play. Uh, I have to say that game was one of the worst NFL games I'd ever seen. And I'm, <laughs> why am I watching Detroit play Pittsburgh? Because you want Detroit to win. But I guarantee you NFL films will not take clips of that. And neither team deserved to win. And neither team did. But as we all know, folks, when you have a tie late in the year, and you've got nine teams right now with three or four losses, that tie is going to bite you in that final week before the playoffs. So it's good you touched on Lamar because uh, I think the Ravens will bounce back, but I don't want to predict or bet on any game involving any team in that division. 
Yeah. I hate ties, by the way. I'm just going to throw that out there. I don't know who's with me, but I'd be good without them. Yeah. The other problem Jackson has is they lost all those running backs in the preseason. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and they're decimated at that position. And sooner or later, that's going to catch up to you. Right. I don't think the league is caught up to Lamar Jackson, but I think the league has found a way to make him be better than he might actually be. And some, some weeks it might work with the passing game and some it doesn't, but if you take him away and keep him under, you know, pick the number under 50 yards rushing, certainly under anything less than that. If, if he be the more one dimensional, you make him the more beatable they are because they don't have anybody else to run the football. Uh, Well, we went from Thursday. Let's fast forward all the way to Monday night because the Rams lost to the 49ers. Yeah, you're shaking your head already, Sean. It's like, what, what's what's happening here? I think everybody heading into that game would have expected or at least picked uh, Los Angeles to win behind Stafford. And, and we didn't know what OBJ was going to look like week one. But clearly, with Robert Woods going down with that ACL injury, they missed him. Um, but that defense was perplexing, too. They just – everyone and their mother knew what the 49ers were going to do. And well, then the they did The 49ers were playing for their lives, really. That that divisional game, and I think everybody said that night, they had to get a big performance out there, and they did. And it's funny to see Garoppolo's record with the team when he does and doesn't play, yet he doesn't seem like a league quarterback. But the thing with OBJ, that pattern that he ran on the deep pass, I had no idea what Stafford was thinking early on. And the kid ran the wrong pattern, okay? And again, as I said last week, as Sean knows, it's practice, Yes, Jim Mora, practice is important. He just got off a plane, throw him in there. He wasn't ready to go yet. But they're making a run for it, Sean. You, you get him and Von Miller, they're going full throttle at this thing. Well, here's the problem. The only highlight I saw of Von Miller was he was getting put on his back by George Kittle on a block. <laughs> but back in the preseason, we talked about the Rams, and I said, you're going to find out about Matthew Stafford. Was he a very good quarterback in purgatory in Detroit? Or did he just happen to be the quarterback on a really bad team, unable to lift that team because he's mediocre? And people thought maybe he's better than he was. He was a former first-round pick. When I watched the beginning of the Titan game a week ago, they looked like a Super Bowl team early on. They didn't look like a Super Bowl team the second half of that game. They sure as hell didn't look like it on Monday night. I now think Stafford might be what I thought he was. Very overrated. Looks the part. Little Jeff George-ish. If you want oh, to go back God, and make no. more hair really? fall out of my head. That's, that's what it ugly. is. He looks the part, but he doesn't win football games. The pass against Beckham, you can't blame OBJ for not knowing the playbook. You've only been there a couple days. Right. But that was just awful. That, to me, was the worst pass I've seen this year. Coming out of Stafford, that was just terrible. Sure was, but again, this is just a couple performances in a row. Yeah. They have they have time to turn it around, and maybe next week or the week after, you'll change your mind on Stafford again, because I just feel like this is what it is with the NFL. A really good quarterback, as we all know, some may call him the GOAT, Tom Brady, struggling the last couple weeks. He has more uh, interceptions in these past two weeks combined than he did the previous seven. And, uh, yeah, the Bucks lost bad. Obviously, their offense struggled, but the defense allowing the Washington football team to have that 10-minute, 26-second drive at the end Amazing. to ice it, that is embarrassing. And afterward, Bruce Arians – 
called out his team. What did you yeah. think about that? Him calling his team dumb, a dumb. Well, I, I've got to ask the media opinion, but as a PR person, what Arians needs to learn from other football co coaches about blame to say, we are a very dumb football team. Come on, calm down. First of all, you start by saying that's the Washington defense that we've all been looking for. And it's a shame that Chase Young is gone. But to start out like that, old coaches will say, we have room for improvement. We can do better as a coaching staff. We'll move on to next week. I, I thought he handled it uh, poorly, and Brady was very short. But Tom Brady is the first person to say, I can do a better job. And he did not look good at all. But congrats to Washington's defense. And there's another team that's sniffing some wins, Sean. Yeah, the back in 2003, the year after the Raiders lost the Super Bowl, Bill Callahan at the end of the year said, we have to be the dumbest team in America. And Charles Woodson and a few other guys wanted to get at him in the locker room. He got fired right after that. So when you say that, he I'm sure he knows his team pretty well, but you risk losing the locker room when you start. Mm -hmm. Again, it's all semantics, right? If he uses the word we, okay, now it's, a, now it's a group, it's on all of us, and let's go forward. Bad, bad choice of words. I think it's a blip on the radar for them. I think they have enough veterans. I was shocked. I watched a lot of that game because almost I was trying to will it to happen. I wanted them to lose, and they did, and it was beautiful. But, um, yeah, for Tampa, I, I'm less worried about Tampa's chances of, of going deep than I was the Rams because, uh, again, the Rams looked the part with that great defense, but I just, I just haven't seen it the last couple of weeks. I will say this. Arians did at the end of saying that he did say it starts with the coaches. So he if if he didn't use the term we, he at least accepted some of the blame. And some of that play calling – yeah, you'd have to think that that was was tough. But I think what he was referring to in calling his team dumb, especially was a lot of those pre-snap penalties. And, and Tom Brady, I think, was asked about that at the end. That's how he ended his press conference. And he said, yeah, you can't run a play. If you have pre-snap penalties, you can't run a play. And that's what is so uh, concerning, I think, about this team right now is last year after their bye week, they became really sharp really sharp they had struggled a little bit in some games before that but they got really sharp and then that's when they made their super bowl run this was a game coming off their bye and they weren't sharp at all those yeah. attention to details were were not there and you need that in the nfl you're not just going to ride your uh super bowl winning quarterback uh the entire way especially without guys like gronk and antonio brown guys that clearly brady trusts and when they're not on the field uh he struggles a little bit well, Washington did exactly in the playbook what every team wants to do. You're either going to rush Tom Brady and sack him, or you're going to keep him off the field. And that was the longest drive in the NFL this year. And with red zone, we watched you know most of it, but a tremendous job because you're keeping him off the field and you're tiring the other defense. So when you have a drive like that, the repercussions are tremendous. And you do it late, and then Tom's really upset on the sidelines, and he'll never get to touch that football. That's how you beat him. Well, guys, how about the two words that uh, were heard around the NFL? I'm back. <laughs> uh, Kim Newton returning uh, to Carolina. His first two touches went as touchdowns, uh, one through the air, one on the ground. Uh, how do you feel like the Panthers will do with their guy back in the locker room? I don't think he's any good. I, I uh, Look, he... I get his enthusiasm. What I don't like about him is the showmanship. I don't like the look at me um, back thing. I get it, though. He'd been out of the league for a few, for a few months. That's got to be tough on his psyche a little bit. 
I was actually happy for him to do that, but in a way, I, I just don't like the showmanship. Um, you know, but I'm it's not so much a Cam Newton thing. I, guys get a touchdown, go celebrate with your teammates, pat each other on the head on the shoulder pads, go for it instead of the the look at me thing. But I guess I'm actually happy for him because he he had no takers, you know, and you don't want to see a guy's career end. You want to see him get another shot, and they had no other options there. So maybe it is fitting that he's back there. We'll see what he can do. Um, do you yeah, think he brings was, anything to the locker room? I mean, that swag, that veteran presence. I mean, is there anything that comes from him being back there? I I, I bet there does. You know, look, I'm, I like Sam Darnold, but I don't think he commands the, the respect in the locker room the way Cam Newton does. I'm, I'm not a big Cam Newton fan. I think anybody who watches the show knows that. But he is a former MVP of the league in Carolina, and maybe that carries a little more uh, uh, weight going back into the locker room back there. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll say Darnold had lately morphed into the Jets again anyway. But the, the thing I'm thinking about, too, is that, first of all, I have to say, Cam is sway. I mean, he's cool. You look at him and it's like looking at Dion, the hat. I wish I could dress like that. He's cool. Oh, so don't sell that. yourself short, buddy. I'll, I'll give it a try. But I, I want to flip it to the guy that replaced him. And Mac Jones, it's fun to watch him grow before our eyes, Okay. And Leanna, of course, uh, want to remind everybody that John and Ashley picked him to be the old rookie of the year, and he must have listened. He was 19 at 23, three TDs, 158.3, perfect rating on throws of 10 yards down. And people say, oh, all he can do is dump off, dump off. Not so. They've now had 48 plays of 20 yards or more, which is the second most in the league and only three less than last year when Cam was the quarterback. Who doesn't do that? So I never thought that Mac Jones would take over this quickly, and they really uh, fooled a lot of people letting Cam go. But glad he's back in a place he's comfortable and and uh, great guy, class act, and it's good to see him run a touchdown again. Eric, it's like you read my mind. It was the natural transition to go from Cam straight to the Patriots and talk about this squad because watch out. They're playing much better, and they're improving – Every week behind that rookie quarterback, Mac Jones, that seems to just be getting better and better and having more faith in his passing down the field. I mean, that that touchdown pass to Kendrick Bourne was in a tight window to be able to get it through the defense. It was a bit more gunslingerish than maybe Bill Belichick would have wanted. But what makes this team so dangerous going forward isn't necessarily just Mac Jones. It's the right. fact that he takes care of the football, and that's great. But this is a team that can run the ball effectively and plays really good defense. And those two things can really help when you're in the playoffs in the NFL. If you can do those things, and we saw that they were able to do that with Ramondre Stevenson when Damian Harris was out. Uh, you know, he was sidelined with an injury. So they have depth there in the backfield. And then their defense, as we know, they're rounding into form and, and they look really good. So uh, this is, a, I would say, a dangerous team. Watch out. Here we are, November, the Patriots. Are you surprised? I, I'm not surprised. I, I'm not surprised he's playing well for this reason. At Alabama, he had a lot of All-American first-round talent around him, and he knew how to manage those assets. So he knows how to do that. I think, and you guys watch more Patriots football than I do, but it seems to me that they brought him along slowly, spoon-feed him, spoon-feed him, spoon-feed him. Now he's comfortable in his role, got nine, ten games under his belt, and now they can do a little more with him you know, and, and, and open up that playbook a little bit. And teams haven't seen that out of him yet. They know, you know, kind of the game manager. 
for lack of a better term. So it seems like they got a little more going on. Uh, Belichick's probably the best coach in the history of the league. He knows what he's doing. Josh McDaniels, a fantastic OC. We felt at the beginning of the year that he was in the best spot because he had such great coaches that would know how to bring along a rookie quarterback, and it looks like that's what's panning out. And if I'm the Buffalo Bills, you got to figure it out because the Patriots are not – their rebuild lasted one year, and and they're looking like a playoff team now, and, and we still have just under half a season to go. Yeah, well, here's the thing. If the Patriots have the second-best defense in the league for points allowed, the Bills have the number-one defense – points allowed and now they are a game up or I guess you could say the Patriots are a game back in the loss column so that division the AFC East is really tightening up and they still have to play each other two more times however on the flip side of that where we might have been really concerned about the Bills heading into the week coming off of that loss to Jacksonville they had a get right game against the Jets I mean (laughs) this was the perfect time to get gangrene on their schedule because they Forced five turnovers, four interceptions from Mike White, who everyone was talking about being, you know, a a spark plug for the Jets on the field. And so he came back and looked very pedestrian, if not worse than that. And their offense, you know, Josh Allen clicked. They, They put up a whole bunch of points. He had 366 yards. I mean, the Bills looked like the Bills that we saw early in the season. And so they might be you know, coming back around here too? Or is it just that they played the Jets? I think every bandwagon team in the league now has revolving doors where you just go through the glass door and you get out. Yep, we're with the Bills. And all of a sudden, oh, no. Yes, we are. Buffalo and Kansas City showed who they really are. To be honest, it was fun to see them come back. And Allen is young. Mahomes is young. People have to remember. But every week in the NFL, something can happen. And it's great to see the teams that you think will be there are coming through. I just think right now, no, Tennessee not. and New England are the most consistent teams at this point. You had to bring up the Chiefs, thanks. Of course we were going to bring up the Chiefs. I mean, everyone's talking bad about Mahomes, and obviously he had a bit of a get-right game too, unfortunately against your Raiders. Um, for you, unfortunate for you. Um, but but the, the Chiefs – certainly looked a whole lot better. And it's because Mahomes was taking what the defense was giving him. I mean, I if you watched that game, the Raiders, as they typically do, played a lot of cover three. And Mahomes was going underneath with his passes and dumping it off. I mean, Williams had an incredible game, um, yeah. caught nine passes, scored that touchdown. And, and Mahomes wasn't forcing the ball down the field as much as he used to. Now, he did have a couple of those passes, opened it up when he could, but it was a lot of just – I guess game management, if you want to say that word with Patrick Mahomes, because it's usually, oh, no, don't call like an elite talent like that a game manager. But that's kind of what he did. He he did take what they gave him. They showed early on that the Raiders are playing the coverage that teams had been stuffing him on. He, the Raiders dropped some big interceptions, which just blows my mind. They had the the play to Sean Jackson. They hit him deep on the play, he caught the ball, and inexplicably like, turned and looked at the guy chasing him and <laughs> – Did he forget which way he was going? I don't know what he was doing. I wish I did. Um, I don't know how my kids slept through that sequence, but they did. (laughs) They're sound sleepers, thankfully. Um, It was a disaster. Max Crosby got held on every, I'm going to call it what it is, every pass play he was held, but okay. I digress. Um, Yeah, it was kind of nauseating seeing Mahomes get it figured out against my team. So, um, you know. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. It was awful. 
it was awful. And the Chiefs are probably not as bad as I've been trying to kick them the last uh, six weeks or so. So now we got to deal with them. And, you know, the Raiders, uh, we in another free fall because that's what it feels like. And you got the Bengals at home this week, short week at Dallas. And uh, don't ruin my Thanksgiving, boys. Well, that division is crazy because the Chiefs are now leading that division. Yeah, they're like in that, place from, very from the basement time. to the top in one week um, with the losses of obviously the Raiders, the Broncos, and the Chargers. Um, but you had mentioned Dallas, another team that got right. I mean, yeah. are, was was did that mean that just last week was an aberration because Dak Prescott hadn't practiced for a week? I know Eric, I you're a big so. practice person, but I mean. They looked they looked really good against a Falcons team that had been improving for a couple of weeks up until that point, uh, and they looked good on both sides of the ball. And and look at Green Bay now when he plays, right back, Mister COVID. Okay, yes, go and pack they, go. Well, they welcomed him back with open arms, and he apologized. I get it, but now we're you know it it is every any given Sunday, and if the Jacksonville win at home in Jacksonville uh, happened, then it shows that anybody any week except Detroit can win in this league. <laughs> oh, and by the way, the, the Titans keep winning without King Henry too. But so with all of that said, who would you guys pick as being maybe the, the team to beat right now? And this is a really tough question because of all of the ups and downs we've seen throughout the course of, of the year. But do you have a, a Super Bowl favorite at this point or maybe two teams, an AFC, NFC team? Yeah, if I had to pick one, I'd, I'd stick with Buffalo. I think they're the best team. I think they'll get it figured out. Um, and probably Tampa. I'm not so sure about Green Bay. They got some injuries. Um, not Dallas? No, I'll tell you what. I'm glad you brought up Dallas. Ask me next week. You can you can text us, Leonard. Maybe we'll have you back. As a guy. You're going to find out everything you need to know about Dallas. They play at Kansas City this Sunday. So Agreed. I was going to say gonna this go? is a – both teams got right, right at the right time. Yeah, how are they going to do on the road? That's a tough place to play. You'll find out a lot about the Cowboys. Not necessarily if they, if they lose, it's not a season crusher, but if they win that game, then I think it validates themselves as a, as a true Super Bowl contender. I mean, Dallas will win that division by default, but until I see Dallas do something late in the season, I think they're the Minnesota Twins of the NFL. Until the Twins do something in October, we're not going to pick them. Just can't do it, Dallas. So can't do it. As Dana Carvey used to say, but Anything I will say I'm going to stick with Green Bay, Sean, because if they get healthy, we can see the weapons, and I really believe in them. Casey's defense will cost them in the playoffs. I'm not going to go with New England yet. I don't want to be the homer. I still believe that uh, Kansas City could come through, but I will still go with Buffalo as well at, at this mid-juncture, yes. I, but I wouldn't want to play Tennessee in the playoffs. Especially if uh, I mean, Henry could be back in the playoffs. He might be back. Imagine that. Yeah, yeah, they're the team. I don't think anybody wants to play. Uh, Mike Vrabel is—he's in the elite echelon of coaches, and he has shown that for a few years now. Um, yeah, they're a handful, and and the fact that they keep getting on without Derrick Henry is mind blowing to me. Last thing for me: don't write out Baltimore because of Justin Tucker. Okay, <laughs> if, if they are within two points, one point, whatever. If you put him out there in a playoff, the man will make the field goals. Just yeah, that dude doesn't miss. People better say he's the best kicker ever. And kickers lose games, but guys like him can win playoff games. Liana, who are you liking for the Super Bowl? Uh, you had to ask me. I'm a homer. 
Um, so I'll go with the Patriots just because. Um, just because I want it. I'm going to will it. I'm going to speak it into existence. Whether or not I really think that that's going to happen. Here, catch mm, it. We don't have to really speculate about that, but I will pick the Patriots. And and I actually think that the NFC is is a bit more wide open than we think. I will pick I'll pick the the Cowboys at this point, just because I think that defense is coming along in ways that that was always their issue. And clearly their, their offense can put points on the board, but I think for them, it will be up to whether or not they can remain healthy as is obviously every team around the NFL, but they clearly ride or die with Dak Prescott. And he's shown that he could be a bit injury prone. So as long as he's on the fields, I'll go with the Cowboys. All right. Well, and then obviously they're going to play the Chiefs and they're going to get crushed. And so here we are next week. And well, John, be tough you'll they're going gonna... to get crushed on Thanksgiving too. Yeah. Go team. On that note, the final few months of 2021 are here. And that means the holidays are approaching. Make sure your home is safe and warm this season. Thanks to Johnstone Supply in Troy. The Goodman Furnaces are now in stock. Goodman Furnaces are not only made in America, but they're also a perfect blend of efficiency and dependability for wherever you may live. Don't forget to clean out your air filters before your friends and family visit this season. Find out about ways to purify the air in your home and to adjust your air filters before the big holiday events by connecting with Johnstone Supply in Troy. Visit them on 6th Avenue in Troy from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. or call them at 518-272-5922. Whether it's George, Tom, Kev, or James, the crew will be there to offer you the best recommendations for this season. Call them today to get the best advice on how to prepare your home for the snow and to change your boilers or furnace. Call Johnstone Supply in Troy, 518-272-5922, or leave them a comment on facebook.com backslash Johnstone Supply Troy, New York. To the NBA. To the NBA. Yeah, Eric, you want to kick us off with the NBA here? Take us around the league. We are a month in now, so let's do it. Just clanged off the rim. All right, let's take a uh, – we looked at the NHL last week, so let's take a one-month look at the NBA. Sports, if healthy, if healthy. Watch out for a team when it has a ton of talent, if healthy. And, of course, that's Sean's pick to win it all. Golden State, they are not at all like the mirage of the spree days and much more resembling of the title run they had. It's only a few years ago. Steph is healthy. He's hot. He had 40 against the Bulls, 45 against a really good Clippers team, and 50 against that exciting, fun-to-watch Hawks team. They're deep. They have Alaback, and there is basking in the bay again, and Clay Thompson on the horizon. Now, the Nets had won 10 of the first 14 without Kyrie, which I think is a positive, and Harden was still cold. So last night, what happens down in Jersey, in Brooklyn, excuse me? Steph poured in 37 in an 18-point statement win, and Draymond Green, who should play in the secondary for many NFL teams for their defense, he kept Durant down to just 19 points, nothing really in the fourth. Amazing. A couple other teams I'll touch on. How good are the 76ers? Well, they got a big West Coast trip coming up. They had a 4-0 start. Then they had four straight losses. Embla was out with COVID issues. Watch the Sixers, how they'll do in that tough Western trip. And how about the Wiz? Let's give some love down to D.C., okay? Washington never gets any love from anybody. They had an 0-4 start. They went poof, and now Washington had won five straight. 10 of 13, yes, the former Bullets were talking about the Wizards here, and that was with Bradley Beal still out, and he had some personal heartbreak. So hats off to the Wiz. 
And uh, last point for me is all that jazz. I love Utah. I love the people there. They are heading the other way, okay? They opened up with seven wins in the first eight. They are giving up way too many points. And get this, in a loss to the Pacers, they had three players. You may have seen the highlight. They had a fracas, scuffle, fisticuffs. It looked like a hockey game without the helmets. What do you think, uh, Sean, as for the NBA thus far? Any surprise? Any not surprises? Well, I'm going to give you a correlation. Uh, the Lakers are old. We knew they would be, and they look every bit the part of that. But you heard that term, addition by subtraction. I don't think it's a secret that my buddy Russell Westbrook is in L.A. and they can't get out of their own way, and the Wizards are 10-3. and three. Kyle Kuzma is playing great basketball for them, yeah. um, and good for them. Yeah, the Lakers, yeah, making the playoffs is going to be good enough. It's going to have to be, but they're old. And they're bad. And Anthony Davis is like 72 years old, I think. I feel like he just went to Kentucky. And now he's now he's in his 70s. Um, yeah, the dubs. I enjoyed that game last night. And and Curry made Durant and Harden irrelevant in the fourth quarter. They all did. The Warriors, the thing that they did last night was they went to the basket hard. And if the, if the Nets went out and pushed out on the perimeter, they paid for it down low. So that was a fun game to watch. Uh, got away from uh, got away from Brooklyn pretty quick. But here's a question I have for, for both of you. I talked with a good friend of mine today out in Massachusetts. He's a big Celtic fan like both of you are. He's telling me he would welcome Ben Simmons for in a Jalen Brown type of swap. Simmons and a sweetener for Jalen Brown. What are you guys' thoughts? Where are the Celtics at? They just, Eric, oh, dude. <laughs> Eric, Marlon Anthony Towns, three-way deal, get him. If they get him, I would see a trade. But what? no, we don't need a Ben Simmons, Carl Everett, type of player in that I, I like that the Celtics. City. I enjoy following them. They seem like they have too many of the same guys. Is the chemistry a problem in Boston? Well, the thing about Boston that's tough is if you look at some of their wins this year, they've been able to beat some good teams. And you look at some of their losses and they got destroyed. So I don't know who the Celtics are right now. I mean, they're 7-7 seven and seven and they're clearly inconsistent. So they're average and mediocre and maybe they have too many of the same guys. But a lot of those same guys were on the team when they were making their run. So I don't know if it's just uh, being able to push the right buttons, pull the right buttons kind of a deal. Um, but something needs to change there um, because right now you're not going to, you're not going to make any noise being a 500 team. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. You made a good point. It's, it's not a clean house type of thing, but maybe a trade that, awakens everybody and just blows things up a little bit. Good and the only time I can think of a Boston team doing that was way back when the Bruins did it with the Rangers and blew everybody out. They were two teams that had perfectly put me in and no identity. The Celtics don't even know who they are right now. Never mind these three people. But the Bruins sent Esposito and, and got Brad Park. It was a big trade with the New York Rangers that blew everybody out of the water. I still think Anthony Towns would be a tremendous pickup. But uh, I think the Celtics, uh, Brad Stevens, I miss him, frankly, in the role as a coach. But now that he's got the reins up there, hopefully he will pull the plug on some guys and just shake things up, Sean. It's time to shake it up because mediocre in the East, which is really mediocre compared to the West, ain't getting you anything. 
Well, and he would know, Brad Stevens would know how this team operates on a day-to-day more than anyone else would. So he would know maybe which strings. It's not that they have a lack of talent. Jason Tatum is a, is a good player. They have a couple other, you know, pieces around him, Jalen Brown. Obviously, they have some good guys, but um, they're, they're just not playing well. The Lakers, by the way, Sean, I think that they would, they're fine with just making the playoffs at this point. I yeah. don't think that they put much stock in the regular season, but I think that's a mistake for a team like that, because if they continue uh, in this trajectory, then they're going to have to play three road series in the West. And I don't think that they get out of that. Even if LeBron James is healthy and they can cure some mills with him, I, I'm still not convinced that Anthony Davis will make it the entire year. Number one. Um, and number two, as you mentioned, because they're old, they that travel for them. I mean, I, I I just don't see that that working out for them. The Warriors, though, oh my goodness, how much fun are they? At this point, I wonder. I'm wondering if you, if you're in Kevin Durant's head, are you like, oh boy, maybe I should have stayed? I don't really know. At this point, you know, I'm I'm the sole guy that's you know with James Harden and Kyrie Irving, who's not playing because of the COVID situation. And now I'm being, you know, asked to do, you know, have this team be on my back, which is by the way, I think what he wanted uh, when he left, he wanted to kind of be the the guy at the team uh, for a team and for an organization. But the issue is even if the Nets were to say the Nets were to somehow figure this thing out and they were to win, how many people would really be all that happy? I mean, Brooklyn's following is what? It's just not, it's not quite the same. And not, not to, I'm sure I'm going to offend a lot of Brooklyn fans out there. I don't mean to. I just, hmm? Yeah, like Sean says about the Los Angeles Chargers season tickets. They have they seven. Have about 10. Yeah, it's just, it's just a different kind of organization. It doesn't have that same longstanding commitment. Um, from their yeah. fans. So it's it's a situation where you can clearly see the Warriors base is getting really excited about this team. And why wouldn't they? Steph is looks maybe maybe better than I've ever seen him, which how do you say that after some of the years that he's put together? And Clay Thompson's not even back on the court yet. And they're getting their young guys experience right now when it matters so that before they head into the postseason, these guys can actually get some, as you mentioned, Sean, chemistry, what some of the, the Celtics are lacking. It is uh, clearly the class of the class of the league. And even Steve Nash said it after last night, we're not in the conversation with those teams yet. We're just not. Yeah. The thing with, I want to go back to the Lakers, right. Is chemistry. You bring in a big personality like Russell Westbrook. They need time to figure out. Liana, you're right. You you just can't flip a switch. The NBA is there's some of the best athletes in the world all competing there. And it's no longer – how quickly did the NBA change? It was just a few years ago at the start of the year you saw maybe a handful of teams that could win the title. That's changed now because there's mm-hmm. a lot that could win. So the Lakers are old. Anthony Davis is as fragile as a uh, the the leg lamp in Christmas story. Okay, <laughs> he, you know, LeBron is LeBron's got a lot of mileage on those tires. I think he's thirty six, but he's been in the league half his life. And I don't think Westbrook's a winner. I think they got a big problem there. Um, and you can say even if they do make the playoffs, they grab a seven or eight seed. Um, that's going to be a tough road to to go, and you can't just flip the switch. It doesn't work that way. 
And you um, can't so, go after guys, Sean, that have that much mileage and bring in people. It doesn't work anymore. What, no. what you do need is, like in the case of the Atlanta Hawks, you've got a tremendously talented young team, but you need a good veteran. Somewhere there's a veteran in this league that needs a change of scenery that can go in, contribute. He's not going to be the man, but he's a great player that will add veteran leadership. So there are a lot of those vets out there that instead of piling on with the all-star team in your 30, mid-30s and and doing that stuff, why don't you go to an Atlanta with all that exciting young talent? And if I'm a 34, 35-year-old veteran, I'd love to go into that locker room. I'd love that situation because I don't have to do it and be the man anymore. I hope Atlanta makes a pickup for somebody like that. I'm a little surprised that they are struggling as much as they are earlier in this early in the season, but I, I still anticipate that they'll turn it around. Yeah. We shall see. But anywho, let me, did I lose my read? Hold on a second. My bad. All good. Oh my, oh my goodness. What happened to my read? Hold on. Should we start the Jeopardy? No, man. Do? I don't want to. Aaron Rodgers will want to host it. We don't want to do that. I got it. I got it. I got it. Jesus, the sweat beads are forming on my head. How could I mess up? Anyway, Mohawk Honda. The current supply and demand challenges within the auto industry makes this a perfect time for you to get top dollar for your vehicle. Right now at Mohawk Honda, you can take advantage of the Kelly Blue Book Instant Cash Offer. They'll put cash in your hand for your vehicle the same day you come in, even if you don't buy from them. That's a pretty sweet deal, especially for those recent college grads or students in need of a new ride or some extra cash. Mohawk Honda has consistently kept their lot fully stocked with pre with hundreds of pre-owned vehicles. Their large inventory makes shopping fun as you browse through many makes and models to choose from, and you can also check out their full selection online. So stop in, say hi to Greg Johnson, the assistant general manager, Jake Hot Sauce Doyle, Luis, the VIP Mad Morales, or one of the many helpful sales consultants here at Mohawk Honda. There's a vast selection of Honda certified pre-owned vehicles, and now is the time to take advantage of the Kelly Blue Book Instant Cash Offer. Mohawk Honda and Glenville, where they always go out of their way to please you. Yes, they do. Yes. So, Sean, last week we you guys chatted about uh, the NCAA football playoff scenario and all of that. And at one point you had talked about Oklahoma and what they would have to do. Yeah. And then. They needed to win their games. Guess what? They didn't win their game. You you lose control when you do that. So now OU's looking at 8-1. and one. They weren't very highly thought of anyway, and now they really kind of got a problem on their hands as far as making the playoff. They could still win out in the Big 12, but that conference gets so little respect. I don't think a, a, a Big 12 champion that's not unbeaten is certainly – I don't think they would bypass a two-loss Alabama team. Um, but I was thinking over the week, the last couple weeks, the state of college football and how things have flipped. And, Liana, oh, by the way, we do need to acknowledge here on M and M and M, Liana's middle name – Starts with the letter M, so it's a Marie. So it does work out. I do fit in here. And and by the way, guys, I'm so sorry. I forgot to mention this podcast. Do you want to say it? It can be found on Apple, YouTube, Spotify, and Twitter at MMMATB1. I should have said that at the beginning. I'll throw that in now. I'll throw it in at the end because this one is one that everyone needs to know how to get. But anyway, keep going, Sean. So I'm thinking about all you have. Texas San Antonio's ranked. Coastal Carolina is now two years on a run. 
those are programs that you think I want them coming to my town for homecoming week. They're a guaranteed win. You give them a payday, you get them out, off they go. Now they're in the rankings. You look at some of the blue bloods around college football that are really struggling uh, over that shoulder. It's painful. It's I'm glad Scott Frost is coming back because I don't think it's a great job right now. So let's get some continuity and we'll see what happens. But you look at some of the other ones. I'm going to Texas, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, that Yikes. game last week, Kansas hadn't won a road Big 12 game since Abraham Lincoln was president. And 19, when Kansas 19, pulled that game off, I laughed and I laughed and I laughed <laughs> and I laughed. It was just magical. You know why? Because the Big 12 has done everything to lick Texas's boots for a long, long time. They didn't want to lose them to the Pac-12 10 years ago. They let them have the Big 12 network or the, the Longhorn network, which they thought would be a recruiting advantage. That hasn't worked out. Charlie Strong didn't work. Tom Herman didn't work. Steve Sarkeesian is having a tough go. They're not what they was. Vince Young was a long time ago. Sorry to bring that name up again. Florida State, no longer relevant. Miami, I'm not even sure they have a team. Tennessee has struggled. Penn State, I got to put Penn State on here because every year they get to the cusp of the Big 12 like they're going to be a player. And they're three and four in the conference right now. Where are the Florida Gators? They gave up 40, 50 points to Samford the other day. LSU, man, I just got a natty a couple of years ago with Joe Burrow, but still they've struggled since then. They're going to be changing coaches at the end of the year. And Liana, USC grab. What's, Fight what's on. on. I will say it till the day that I die, but oh, goodness, it has been really hard to watch this team this year. And in fact, when their game against Cal was postponed due to COVID, I was like, oh, it's okay. At least I'm, <laughs> at least they'll spare me some anxiety this week of watching this team because I got to tell you, Drake London was maybe the sole source of any kind of happiness that we had surrounding this team this year. And he suffered a season, what could be a season ending ankle injury against Arizona. So uh, the guy who set the FBS record with 79 catches in his first seven, uh, seven games. Well, yeah, he's now not on the field. So he was the sole bright spot. Keaton Slovis, who was supposed to be the next coming at quarterback, who was really good as a, as a freshman, pretty good as a sophomore, as a junior, he has just shown this regression is happening. Like, boom, happening uh, like a falling off a mountain at this point. And so he's not playing against UCLA. This is UCLA week, rivalry week um, for uh, USC. So F-U-C-L-A, that's what we usually say. And I will say it again, and I will always say it. Um, that being said, Jackson Dart, who is a freshman QB, who has potential of being um, dynamic, and like a Keaton Slovis type when he was a freshman, I, he has a chance to make his first start. And so at this point, the only things that I'm watching out for are, is Jackson Dart good? Is he going to be like the savior in the next couple of years? And who's our next head coach going to be? Because that's probably the most interesting part about this, this season is that Clay Helton, thank goodness, is out. Maybe a season late, if not more. Um, I don't know why they kept him, but they did. So after two games, he's out. And now it just becomes all the names that are cycling through the coaching carousel. Um, and the new one, obviously, being Baylor's guy, Dave Aranda. And, you know, Luke Fickle with Cincinnati, although who knows if he even wants to leave Ohio. James Franklin with Penn State. I mean, all these guys. And obviously, LSU is going to be looking for someone. They'll yeah. probably get whoever they want. And so USC will be stuck with whoever we can get 
Um, that being said, that's really kind of what I'm looking out for at this point, the remainder of the season. USC still seems, they're still USC to me, right? What I can't figure out about the Clay Helton era was that guy was a yo-yo. For how many years was he there? Seven years? Too long. Too long. How did he last that long? Because you're USC. Uh, Pete Carroll days are gone. But you would, I would have thought at some point sooner than this. And one, if you're going to fire a guy that early in the year, you should have done it in the offseason. Right? right. Or two years ago, like you're saying. Yeah. But USC still has that that thing. They're still USC. I would think that a lot of coaches would want to go there. I compound that with Nebraska, where a lot of people wanted Scott Frost out. My point is, it's not a place that a lot of coaches are going to run to because given that it's the only game in town, there's a ton of pressure there. It's, and the team hasn't won in years. It's not desirable. Stay with the guy that knows the area. and Maybe he can fix it. But I think USC is different. I, to me, USC could almost seem to command the price. Who would you like to see become the coach? Is there anybody that you like? Well, I, I feel like it's hard not to just jump on all the, the wagons, right? Because – um, the guy that everyone wants right now is Aranda and you can see why, but I mean, if you take away his last nine games or so, he was just kind of figuring things out for the beginning. So I don't, who do I want? I want someone who's going to be good and lasting. Um, and there's no way of knowing exactly who that's going to be. At Bill O'Brien's available. <laughs> Sorry. I, I want to look at this week on, on a big game because we, we're talking about being out west. So, and of course, I got the Oregon hat. So, this is going to be a fun I love one. that it's Pac 10, by the way. Still, oh. that's when I went there, it was the Pac 10, not the Pac 12. Oh, that's I'm right. I will fix it for the whiteboard, but it is Pac 12. Yeah. So, I got to add that on yeah. somehow. But no, Oregon's defense is taking on Utah's or Oregon's great offense, Utah's D. Utah has the highest scoring offense in the league 36 points a game. They're rushing over 200, and the Ducks have allowed just 78 per game on the ground in the last two in 120 uh, through 10 weeks, so an average. So this is a preview of the Pac-12 title game because Oregon won the North. Utah needs one more win to take the South. So I think this will be a fun game. And the other one to watch this week, C.J. Stroud, I think, should just pass, pass, and pass for Ohio State. If you've seen Michigan State, they're giving up hold on to your hats here 330 passing yards a game you look at the stats in the league and say that can't be right it's true so me thinks that the Buckeyes will win a shootout and then Ohio State it doesn't get any easier they get Michigan next week so as Keith Jackson would say oh Nelly two fun games this week to watch well if Michigan State does somehow find a way to win Mel Tucker will be one of those guys that might find his name heading heading out out elsewhere uh, after this season as well. well hopefully Liana the Trojans can figure it out I think with a lot of the names <clears throat> USC is one of them college football is better when SC is relevant um, so hopefully you guys can figure it out I hope so too um, because it's really hard <laughs> listen when now that I'm back on the East Coast staying up to watch those games I mean these are late nights for me I'm a mom of two kids I don't get sleep as it is so when I opt to not sleep to watch that team i hope that they win at least give me something starts at the top you got to have a good quality ad they've had some great ones at usc the big name recognition support hayden and swan all that stuff but it starts right at the top 
and I'll touch on that and the whiteboard a little bit. It's well, so you- funny to think that, by the way, Eddie O could have been their head coach and since leaving has won a national championship. So the, the AD is ties to Luke Fickle, right? The AD mm-hmm. is ties to Luke Fickle, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now well, maybe there you go. I think Luke Fickle's probably taking he, he does, but it, it just depends on if he wants to stay in Ohio or not. They know each, Luke Fickle will be his first call, but it, it might be a short phone conversation. It, it could it. either be like, Hey, sure. Or, or no. And you were saying, SC is a destination that people want to go to, but if it's going to be between an SEC team and SC, unfortunately, SEC teams just have more money yeah. to, to spend. Yeah. So if you're going to get into a bidding war, SC is not going to win that. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it. It seems like if I'm Luke Fickle, you're. This is as far as you're going to go. I think they're going to make the playoff because I think a few of the teams ahead of them are going to fall. You're not going to go any further than Cincinnati now. If you know, if not now, when? You know, Brian Kelly did the same thing a few years ago. He took Cincinnati, got him right on the cusp. Notre Dame came calling, and off he went. I think Fickle leaves after this year. It seems like a perfect fit. But you're right. The SEC carries. It's that's the SEC. That's the heavyweight. And uh, there's a big allure to go coach in there, too. But I don't think you could do so much wrong with Southern California. It's a great place to be. I can tell you that much for sure. Four (laughs) years there, and it was some of the best four years of my life. So if there's uh, someone that can share why it's good to go there, just look no further. I can tell you, coaches, Trojans, that's who you want to coach. There you go. All right, you guys ready for whiteboard stuff? I believe so. Do you want to start? We'll start it up with the Oregon Ducks. And just for you, it is now the Pac-12 hat. Tells you how old the hat is. So now, folks, when we associate schools, we associate a certain sport in D1 NCAA. You think of football, Alabama, men's hoop, Duke, women's basketball. And it says a lot for the program because of the support it receives and the successes that it produces. So just imagine seeing a school that is ranked all three sports. That's a statement, okay? So in the check of polls, at one time I noticed that the Ducks at football, men's basketball and women's basketball all ranked in the national top 12. That's a big deal. It says a lot for the commitment to each sport. And it's extremely rare, I know, in college athletics. So let me throw a nugget at you. In the 2019-20 academic year, Oregon became the first Pac-12 school and only the second Power 5 school to win conference titles in those three sports in the same year, with the three programs combining to go 39-0 and at home. Boy, that deserves more than a half. So for football, the Ducks moved up to number four, highest ranking in seven years, three in the CFB ranking. Women's Hoop is number nine. The Ducks have a very good front court. They're going to make it fun for the Eugene fans all season. And number 12 right now for men's basketball. Don't wait until March. They have a lot of experience in depth. So athletic director Rob Mullins' bio, take a look at it. Most of them write about achievements of everything about their wonderful careers. All he has in his talks about the achievements of the athletic program. Hats off to Rob Mullins, okay? And hats off to the University of Oregon Ducks where they put all their ducks in a row. (laughs) And one footnote, breaking news. Baylor is in the discussion now. They're sixth in women's hoop, nine in men's hoop, and 11 in football. Congrats to the Bears. 
Wow, that's almost more impressive because it's Baylor as opposed to to Oregon. But yeah, there you go. Uh, well, what does it say about a commitment? Really, what does it say, uh, folks? Leanna, go ahead. What about how does it speak about an athletic director and all the support? where you're not just saying, hey, we need money for our football stadium, but to see the three and especially to see a commitment for women's hoop as well. Well, I think that uh, thing about Oregon is that's right where the Nike headquarters are. So um, they were always a, a school that was known for its track and field program. But then once Nike started saying, OK, I'm going to put money into and behind all of these uniforms, like they were a cool school to go to because they had all the newest swag for a long time. So recruiting probably became a little bit easier for Oregon at some, at some point. Um, and then they just got some really good talent and they started to perform pretty well and winning breeds winning, I think to some degree. Yeah. Um, but they, they've always just had really good athletes. And so I think that when you're talking about uh, an athletic department, and where you have success across the board, yes, it starts with good leadership um, because they're, the, the leadership is hiring the coaches and the coaches are recruiting the athletes and the athletes are choosing to go play for those coaches and play within those programs. But there is clearly something else that's happening there with their um, facilities, you know, and their facilities are good and they have all of those extra things. When you bring an 18 year old onto campus um, and you can show them all the flash that's yeah. that's kind of sells itself from time to time, and you, we we all know you're not winning at the college collegiate level unless you have talent. So um, I think that it certainly says uh, a lot about the the program as as a whole. But uh, congratulations to them all around. All right, Leona, you want to go or you want to you want to conclude the show? Your call. Oh, I'll go. I'll go. Mm, all right. I have a big one. Can you see it? Mm, this way. Yes. New York football <laughs> is failing its fans. And I'm not talking about Buffalo because obviously Buffalo is turning things around. Um, so we're just going to exclude them for a while, even though most Buffalo fans will tell you that they are the only team in New York. But uh, let's just forget that for a second and talk about the Jets and the Giants because um, I, this was before my time, but I know that there was a mass exodus of fans in the 1970s because those two teams were a terrible. There was a blackout uh, policy where they couldn't watch from, you know, from their home up until 1973. Um, and they were both the Giants and the Jets amidst, you know, 17 year and 11 year playoff droughts, respectively. OK, that was then. Then they kind of got good, so they got some of their fans back. Fast forward to now. And the reason why I bring this up is because my husband and his family, God love them, are Jets fans. And they've been season ticket holders, God bless them, for many, many years since he was a teenager, maybe even before, like young teen. Uh, I mean, he remembers going to games back when he was maybe 10, 11 years old. And... So since I've been with him, I've gone and watched a lot of bad football games <laughs> at the Jets. And I got to tell you, when you're in those stadiums now, and, and, and I lump the Giants in, in with this too, because right now, since 2016, they've won 21 games in five seasons counting. Um, so they're not, they're not great. And they were, you know, mediocre for the four years before 
2016 as well. And the Jets right now are five straight losing season, six of their last seven on their way to an 11 year playoff drought themselves. So again, these two teams are, are really, really bad. And, and my husband took my daughter who's turning three today. Happy birthday, Sienna. Yay. Um, took her to a game this past weekend and uh, against the bills. And I mean, she's three. So she was obviously really excited about the paratroopers and the helicopter flyover and the big American flag that was on the field and all that stuff. And then once the football hit, she wasn't really all that excited. But I thought even, you know, five, 10 years down the line, I'm thinking about a kid who's in the seats who's 13 or 15 or like could get into a game. And it's a really hard team to get into right now. And I would assume the same of the Giants. And some of the pictures that they were sending me, I had a picture from behind of my husband holding my daughter's hand. They, of course, were in jet skier. Everything else was red and blue because they were playing the Bills. And so when you go to those games, it was typical that if they were playing the Steelers or if they were playing the Dolphins or if they were playing the Cowboys, you know, you would get these – away fans that were being maybe more than the home fans that they would just outnumber them. You would get that. You wouldn't often see it with teams like the bills or like, you know, the, the Browns or like, you know, one of these other teams that, but now you're starting to see more and more of them because these fan bases just don't have a reason to get excited about these teams for a long stretch now for both of these teams in New York and yes, geography And family is, I think, two reasons why people become fans of certain teams. But now we have fantasy. We have red zone. We have other reasons to not necessarily get so intensely um, into our fandom. And I think that it's they are at risk of losing a generation of fans, both of these teams right now. Yeah, yeah. Real quick before I go years ago, the Rich Kotite era, 20 something years ago. We used to go down to a game, me and all my friends would meet down there because you could buy tickets that day easy. And we were going up to the stadium for a game, and one of my buddies didn't have a seat. And a guy, it was, I don't know how much the ticket was, 50 bucks, whatever. And the guy goes, I'll give you, my buddy goes, I'll give you 10 bucks for it. He goes, are you kidding? He goes, that's all it's worth. And my friend Bob at the time was a giant season ticket holder, and they were in a great run. He goes, it's not worth $10. I'll give you five. And the guy looked at him and goes, just take the thing. And he got it for yeah. free. Well, well and, and what's so tough right now, just real quick uh, to piggyback off of that, the Jets, uh, and, and I'm assuming it's the same way with the Giants too, but I actually don't know for sure, 100%. But they, uh, a lot of their season ticket holders had to pay um, PSLs, um, yeah. personal seat licenses. So that was not the case when – the Patriots built their new stadium um, season ticket holders never had to pay for PSLs. The jets did. And so my, my in-laws were still paying off their PSLs a couple, couple of years ago when they were selling, you know, you couldn't even pay for or get five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks a ticket. It was just that bad just within a couple of years ago. Sean, real quick, just a, a note that uh, I saw in the news this morning, you know, that people aren't using plastic bags in stores anymore. They're using paper bags, but there are shortages of paper bags in Detroit, Michigan, and East Rutherford, New Jersey. So now we know why they are being used at the stadiums. My <laughs> friend wore a bag over his head to a Jets game. He walked down every set of stairs throughout. The, and he 
he had more people coming up for taking pictures and yelling, "Hey, bag man!" And people bought him beers. It was it was the most biggest celebrity day of his life. He got a lot of steps that day. Got a lot that day, and he was right. Okay, <clears throat> my whiteboard this week. Sixty minutes, and I don't mean the Sunday night TV show that. Follows the NFL doubleheader game that always runs and starts late and used to precede the show Murder, she wrote. wrote. Well, Pat Summerall, shout out. Uh, hey, Lincoln Riley. Dude, four quarters, 15 minutes each. I'm not talking about overtime. I'm talking about four quarters, 15 minutes each. Do the math. Hold on. That comes out to 60. That's 60 minutes. Don't pull your team off the field with a couple seconds left because you're, you're upset. You just you're going to lose to Baylor. Their fans are enthusiastic. The party's on in Waco, and you get a little miffed that they run out on the field three seconds before the game starts. The game does not go 59 minutes and 57 seconds. It's 60 minutes. So when you pull your team off the field and send them to the locker room and Baylor wants to stick it to you and kick a field goal, good for them. I wish they'd run a play and gotten a touchdown. You don't like it? Leave your team out on the field and defend the play. Don't piss and moan. You got your tails kicked. That's the way it goes. Be a leader. Don't show your kids that you're going to quit because that's what you did. You quit on them and you gave them an excuse to go back to the locker room. And if somebody sticks it to you, don't bitch and moan. You deserve it. I, and not only did they stick it to you, but – they actually had a reasonable explanation as to why. Whether or not that was the reason doesn't matter. But when tiebreaker scenarios are point-driven and point-based and you can get three more if you're Baylor against Ooh. OU, you might as well do it. Hey, I, I saw somebody say, well, yeah, I don't know what Baylor was thinking. They got to play Oklahoma next year. Oh, don't give me that garbage. You got to play everybody every year, and everybody hates each other and all the rivals, however they are. And OU is going to be up for the game against Baylor, whether they lost 24-14 or 27-14 next year because they lost. So don't tell me that's an extra incentive and you don't want to do that. And Baylor did not embarrass their opponent. Their opponent embarrassed themselves when they left the field before the game ended. The least you could do is put a band out there. Go to Stanford and get a, a <laughs> put the band out there and make a tackle. Something. Something. Somebody. But, but don't bitch about it after the game. And that's my problem with Riley. I don't know. You know, he left the field. He shouldn't have done that. That was unprofessional. But don't complain when Baylor sticks it to you because you're the one that didn't want to stick around. It goes back to way back in the NBA with the Pistons. It didn't shake Michael Jordan's hand and Pippen's hand after they beat them in the playoffs, finally getting them before they won their first title. Hang around. Do the right thing. Take your loss like a man. Get back on the bus and go home. For sure. Leanna, play to the end. Play to the whistle, right? Play to the whistle. Leanna, thank you so much for joining us this week. You did a wonderful job, and it's great to see you. And uh, we really thank you for taking time of your busy, busy schedule to join us two schmucks. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, right. You can imagine Ashley. Ashley had 17 shows with us and needed a break. Could you imagine what our wives have to go through? It's ours is only an hour a week with Ashley. And, uh, you know, but thank you for being here, and a happy birthday to Sienna and everything. And hope to see you again soon. Thank you. This was a lot of fun, and I'm sure Ashley will be excited to be back, though I'm sure she's also having so much fun on a much-deserved vacation in a place where the weather is a whole lot better than it is here. Guys, yeah. uh, again, M&M and M across the board. You guys do right it well. On. Appreciate it. 
Appreciate you having me. Apple, YouTube, Spotify, Twitter at MMMATV1. And you guys will be back again next week with Ash in this chair. See y'all later. Take care.